It is the 11 Dubcast. I am Johnny. He is Andy. We have just finished the regular season of Ohio State men's basketball. The Ohio State men's basketball Buckeyes are setting up what? I think I believe 21 and 10. Decent. I think that's where people kind of would hope at the very beginning of the year and then ex- had higher expectations in the first couple months and then much lower expectations. And now we're here. They lost to Michigan State. The game just kind of got away from them. Threes were not falling. Uh, just some missed opportunities, especially on the defensive end. Just could not, you know, just lock down on Michigan State's three-point shooting, especially in the first half. Uh, just some dumb mistakes overall. You would see some just silly passing problems, things with like, you know, not blocking out, all that kind of stuff. Andy, how do you feel about, how do you feel about this, this game that we just watched? Cause we're recording this on Sunday evening, uh, just about an hour or so after the game finished. Do you feel okay about this team going into the big 10 tournament and the NCAAs? Yeah. So I, I feel, I feel great about this team going into tournament season for a couple different reasons. One, you know, they've been playing shorthanded for, you know, kind of the better part of the stretch here. Uh, I liked, um, you know, the, the, the camera shot at that last home game, um, they pan the bleachers and it's like, there's four guys in a row with boots, you know, seemingly from knee to ankle. Uh, right. so, you know, they're, they're playing shorthanded, a real, really tight rotation, which I mean, granted you end up seeing the lineup shrink the later you go in a season typically anyway. Um, sure. so, so, you know, that's not all terrible after seeing where this team was in January, you know, that horrid two and six stretch from the West Virginia game there, um, December 29th on through to the end of the month. And then, you know, turning that around into a six and two February. And now, you know, a, a decent March for sure. Cause there were times you think about what, five, six episodes ago, we were talking and saying, okay, can they finish, you know, 500 down the stretch in essence, right. you know, it was like there was a time when there were what, maybe eight games left. And we're like, okay, if they can go four and four here, that's probably pretty good. And they did much better than that, obviously. And, and even, you know, after that game with uh, Maryland, you know, we're looking, it's okay, probably Michigan State's still a tough ask. Michigan State's still a tough ask. And it was. Why? One, tournament time is, oh, you know, I just have mad respect for him as a coach. I think he's fantastic. Two, I think the Breslin Center is is maybe the toughest uh, environment in the Big Ten uh, to, to play in. And they do extremely well there. Three, Ohio State's been terrible on the road, relatively speaking, this season. You know, if you look at um, now that the regular season's over, Buckeyes are four and seven away from the Schottenstein Center. Who would have ever thought that Value City Arena would be considered a legitimate home court advantage? But uh, <laughs> as our man Colin Hill reported this week, actually, the Buckeyes have the best um, you know, like adjusted efficiency rating at home. I think of like anybody in the country. It's pretty crazy how great they've played in front of the home crowd this season. Not so great uh, away from home. But all that said, I, you know, I think they're peaking at the right time. I feel like a lot of the issues um, that we've talked about with this team all season long, you know, are issues that they can manage and that they'll play well when it matters here in these conference tournaments. Big Ten conference tournament is going to be a good tune-up for the big dance, the, the, the one that really matters. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, a lot of it is about matchups. I mean, you look at what happened today against Michigan State. Caleb had a bad game. He he could not get involved in the offense. They were able to just kind of eliminate him for the most part. And when he did get his chances, he just did not make the most of them. It was one for eight from the floor. You know, it, there are things like that that are going to happen, and you kind of have to adjust to it. But it's difficult when there's a guy in Winston in Michigan State. He's putting up almost 30. I this was to me not indicative, and I agree with you. I don't think it was indicative of what the team is capable of achieving 
in these tournaments. And when you have a team that hopefully on maybe a more neutral court or, you know, during the Big Ten tournament, they get a little bit of momentum uh, from fans, you know, playing a little bit closer home. I, I think they'll be okay. Um, I, the depth worries me a little bit. I, I love Liddell, and I, I think he's putting in some really quality minutes. He had a stretch of game where he was he was the best player on the court for about five ten minutes, and that's that's awesome. But you need to have Young back. You need to be able to make sure that you know Aaron's can give you some like actual quality minutes instead of just kind of running around out there for like ten minutes. I to me, there are still some things that they've got to tweak a little bit. They got to figure out to um to hopefully make some noise and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the big 10 tournament because in terms of seating and whatnot it, that to me is such a wide open thing i don't know who has the inside track at winning that i really don't and maybe that's something where you know you've got a guy like garza at iowa who comes up and just because he's so good he can he can kind of dominate in a situation like that i was actually looking on espn uh they they had a brackets up and they were trying to see you know I think they had like four college uh, basketball experts and they were picking the winner of each um, conference in men's college basketball and Ohio, I think it was the big 10 and then maybe one other tiny little, like some beltish type conference was the only, were the only conferences where every expert picked a different person to win the conference tournament. <laughs> I think that definitely tells you what's going on in the big 10 this year, as is the fact that they could get 10 teams in the, in March madness. So to me, everything's just wide open. And if Ohio State can fix a couple of those things, they're good to go. They'll, they'll be a threat to anybody that they have to play. Well, and they were, you know, they talked about that quite a few times during the Illinois game that Illinois was, you know, in like a four way, working on being in a four way tie for first place in the conference. And, you know, obviously Ohio State put the kibosh on that. But, you know, you go through there and you're looking, all right, uh, uh, you know, Maryland and, and Michigan State overall record, kind of the class of the conference. But, you know, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, even Penn State have all been right there, um, you know, 11 and nine or better in the conference. And so, there, I mean, it's, I don't know if you call it parity um, or not, but it sure looked a lot like it in, you know, the top, what, two thirds of the conference this season that really any, you know, any given Saturday, something crazy could happen. Uh, right. And, and I mean, that's fun, right? This has been a pretty fun season. Yeah. That January stretch was tough for Ohio state fans, but I think it also made us maybe appreciate a bit more how this team has developed down the stretch you know that they they went through that now if I look at the box score for this Michigan State game you know the the thing that we said about Ohio State all season long is uh when they shoot well from distance that's I mean that's the that's when things get sweet and they were only five and 16 from uh five of 16 from beyond the arc the other big thing you'd say is Michigan State took a lot more shots than Ohio State did you know so uh, Ohio State was 24 of 53 from the field. Uh, Sparty was 29 of 60. And even though they only shot 30% from three, you know, they made eight out of 26 shots. So they were just firing off the ball a lot more. And you get into the defensive stats, you know, more blocks, more steals, um, and then ball movement-wise, a lot more assists. So they were just getting the job done on both ends of the floor in a way Ohio State wasn't. Turnovers were not a big problem for the Buckeyes this time as far as that goes, which is great because that – that dark stretch in January, that was the song we were singing. It was how, how sloppy they were in handling the ball. Um, right. But but again, I go back to and say I just have a lot of respect for Michigan State and how consistently good they are in the Breslin Center and would say, hey, you know what? 
It's one game. It's over with. Buckeyes finished 9 of 12 down the stretch. Hey, let's take that any day of the weekend twice on Sunday. Yeah, and it's not bad. And as you mentioned, I mean, it, when you're talking about building up to a strong finish, I mean, nobody's better than that, you know, than Tom Izzo. So, you know, it, you're kind of you're running into a difficult situation. I don't think that's going to be necessarily an indicator of, uh, you know, how things are going to go going forward. And speaking of going forward, if you're looking all the way to bracketology and you're looking through March Madness and whatnot, Archie Miller's best friend, uh, Joe Lenardi has Ohio State right now as a five seed, five seed in uh, – it's in the West region. And essentially what you're looking at is, okay, so 5-12 tilt against Stephen F. Austin. Akron's on there against Louisville, which would be – I you know, Ohio State would have to play one of the – I don't love that matchup. I, I think that would be difficult. I kind of hope that's not what actually happens because I think that might be a little – a little tough for Ohio State. Interesting side note, by the way. I really hope this is another one of those year of Ohio teams. Wright State is doing really good. Dayton, obviously, is up there. I think it's their third in the country at this point, I believe. Uh, you got Akron. Ohio State's going to be in it. Cincinnati right now is a bubble team. I hope they can get in. Some people are even saying Xavier. That would be really sick. If you could get Wright State, Akron, Ohio State, um, UD, Cincinnati or Xavier, that would be pretty kick-ass. So if this could be the the year of the Ohio teams, I would be a big fan of that. We had that a few years ago, and it was a lot of fun, and I, I hope to see that again this year. Hey, now, you know, so Lenardi, and we got to get back to Lenardi in a minute, uh, vis-a-vis Archie talk. So Jerry Palm at uh, CBSSports.com also has Ohio State as a five seed, um, has him in the East region, and facing Akron, in the opening round, uh, and, but still would face Louisville. Louisville, he has as the four seed in the East region. So not any better than that once that first round. But yeah, Ohio State versus Akron in your opening round of the NCAA tournament to, to talk about March Madness. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. And that's that's the thing. I mean, it's, it, it is fun. And that's why we love college basketball. And it's Ohio State. I don't know. You want Ohio State to be, these, to be this dominant world-beating team. That's just not the way college basketball is set up. You know, you get a situation, right, where my boys at Utah State pull off the big-time upset over SDSU. They they punch their ticket. Those are the things that people live for and what makes it exciting. So I hope I hope Ohio State dominates in the Big Ten tournament. I hope they do really, really, really well. I would also not be super upset if somebody came out from nowhere and just surprised the hell out of people. If Rutgers comes out and wins the Big Ten tournament, I will laugh my ass off and have no problem with it whatsoever. <laughs> um, and, it could, and who knows? Who freaking knows, right? Like, who knows what might happen uh, in about a week or so? So that's something to keep an eye on. Another thing to keep an eye on is what's been going on with the Big Ten uh, in wrestling this weekend. So, Andy, break it down for us. I know we've got uh, a couple of Ohio State wrestlers who who did some really good things and one guy who kind of got skunked in the championship but bring it down for us a little bit what happened yeah it was a it was a great tournament for senior captains luke pletcher and colin moore you know both guys go into the tournament uh this is their, their final season they have been uh, mainstays in the last day of the conference tournament throughout their entire career i think pletcher's never finished worse than fourth at the big 10 championships um and moore has been a finalist every year and he won his third big 10 title um really exactly. incredible at 197 pounds colin moore has been number one in the country at 197 all season long man with the target on his back and so far Nobody has really come close. Um, even today, winning a four-to-one decision over Nebraska's Eric Schultz, 
more uh, was clearly in control from the opening whistle. Schultz couldn't get anything going on him. There was never really a credible shot attempt. And although we're used to seeing more rolling up major decisions um, or tech falls, you know, he didn't have to go too deep in the playbook and was content to, you know, just kind of dominate Schultz on top not really giving him any openings from the neutral position. And, and uh, Schultz was never in a position to try to, to ride or tilt uh, anything when he was on top. So hats off to Colin Moore winning three big 10 titles out of four trips. You know, that is, that's a really great college career. Next step for him, he'll be the number one seed going into the NCAA tournament in Minneapolis in two weeks and would be the heavy favorite to win it all would be his first NCAA title. So, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, you know, emotion going into that. He's been never any worse than fourth, I believe at the NCAA tournament after opening as um, third place in his true freshman season. Uh, redshirt freshman season, true freshman season, redshirt freshman season, well, whichever it was, and has been back. He was a finalist last year, um, couldn't couldn't get the job done, but it feels like this is his year. Now, Luke Pletcher is the guy that I just have been super high on all season. He's kind of reinvented himself for his senior campaign after moving up to 141 pounds. Pletcher's a guy who has, you know, thighs the size of tree trunks. He's got one of the lowest centers of gravity of anybody in the class. He's, I mean, he's built like an oak tree and it's just darn difficult to take him down. But the, the book on Pletcher, his first three seasons is that he's not a guy who's going to take a bunch of shots. He's going to win a five, three decision that maybe makes you sweat that he's going to get in trouble for stalling in the third period. Cause he's just a, <laughs> you know, kind of a grinded right. out kind of guy that is not senior season. Luke Pletcher Pletcher has been bonusing guys, 60 plus percent of the time it's his highest bonus rate by far I think more than double his career average and this match was a big one because it was a rematch with Nick Lee of Penn State Luke Pletcher's only loss of the season was in Happy Valley in the Bryce Jordan Center in front of 15,955 screaming Nittany Lion fans Um, and Lee Lee put it on Pletcher Pletcher came in as the number one ranked man in the country, and and after scoring the first takedown of the period and seeming to be in control throughout the first three minutes, Lee got the job done and ended up winning an 8-4 to four decision. So this rematch is kind of highly anticipated as probably the second in a three-match series for these two guys as number one and two seeds in the postseason tournaments. Highly anticipated because a lot of times Penn State guys wrestle their best matches in the postseason, and they're just known for coming in and just being, you know, practically unbeatable. That was not the case for Luke Pletcher and Nick Lee and the Rutgers Athletic Center Sunday afternoon. Pletcher came in, had a plan. He scored the first takedown. He was dominant um, on top. He didn't get ridden out, um, which is something that happened in the Penn State duel. Nick Lee was a hammer on top. He just bellied Pletcher out and rode him out practically a whole period. That didn't happen this time. Pletcher was able to get away rather quickly, scored the go-ahead takedown late in the third period, and it's his first Big Ten title. Couldn't be happier for that guy. He was really, really fantastic when it mattered most. What, you mentioned what a guy who, yeah, go what ahead. What actually did he do different this time? Like, what, what was different about <laughs> his thing going into it? He, he, he's so funny because um, Shane Sparks, who is one of my favorite wrestling journalists, he was um, on the call for BTN on the sidelines and talking with Pletcher afterward. He asked him that question. And so Pletcher's response is pretty straightforward. He said, I just stayed in position, kept attacking where I want to be, and I don't let him dictate the pace. And, and that's what happened to Pletcher 
in that first match. Nick Lee was a guy like a lot of the Penn State guys who, you know, they're super well conditioned. They can go a full seven minutes at, at seemingly at a sprint. And, you know, Pletcher is, is more of a guy that he needs to be the one to dictate the pace. When you ask Tom Ryan ahead of the tournament, um, what, is, what does your guy need to do to get past Lee? He's like, look, we just need to see the Luke Pletcher we saw all season long. Highly aggressive offensive plan, dictates the pace, you know, kind of controls things from the whistle. And Luke did that. The big thing that happened to Luke at, at Penn State is he was hyped about that match all week long. It was the biggest match of the year, one versus two you know, season finale for the Buckeyes on the road, hostile environment. Fletcher's a Pennsylvania native. He's from Latrobe, PA, you know, so there's just a lot riding on that. And he, right. and he went into that environment and Lee was feeling his oats and and made the most of it. Fletcher kind of got gassed in that second period when, um, you know, he got, uh, got under Lee and Lee went to town. And, and so it was tough for him to dig out of the hole then. He didn't get in that position. He never let himself get in a position he couldn't get out of. His footwork was fantastic. There were several times where Lee had really credible shot attempts that Pletcher was just able to dance out of. He was agile enough for as strong and dense as he is built. He has fantastic footwork. Just, I mean, nimble as can be. And it really... Um, was all on display in that match. It was a 6-5 decision, but, you know, you really didn't sweat that Pletcher was in danger. Um, and, and I think a lot of it was just, you know, 90, what, what was the old Yogi Berra thing? You know, 90% of uh, baseball's 50% mental or something. <laughs> right. along those lines. I mean, that's wrestling more so maybe than any other sport. It's it's what you got going between your ears. And Pletcher had his had his mind right going into that match Sunday. Yeah. Well, and, and so there was, they weren't all great results though. Right. I mean, we had, yeah. we, there was one result that did not go. Right, so there were two, uh, so three, three guys going into the finals, uh, last, last round of the tournament for the big 10 conference championship on the line. Sammy Sasso at 149 was the, the third guy in and Pletcher and Sasso both were fighting rematch battles uh in the finals of the big 10 tournament so we already talked about Pletcher and Lee but Sasso had earned his number one spot in the country and his number one seat in the tournament by going to Iowa and upsetting then number one ranked Pat Lugo the Hawkeyes are by far the best team in the big 10 this season I mean they've just been you know, lightning in a bottle all year long. They're going to win their first NCAA title in 10 years, barring some epic meltdown. And Lugo was the number one guy at 149. Sasso goes in there, wrestled a really smart defensive match, took it into extra innings and got an escape point and then was able to hold Lugo down for the one point decision. So we're going back to that same storyline as we had with Pletcher and, and Lee, where, you know, you've got a guy who you know, gets upset um, and, and he's coming back, scrapping, wanting that number one spot again. And Lugo got the job done. He scored the first takedown um, in the first period. And then Sasso really didn't get his offense going until late in the third. So you go, you know, into the last 60 seconds of the third period, Lugo leads two to one. Um, you know, riding time's not a factor because Sasso rode Lugo the entire two minute second period. He really looked great on top. But he couldn't get an offense going, couldn't find a shot that he liked. He fires off one with about 10 seconds left, and it's and it ends up being kind of an extended sequence. He gets Lugo onto the mat, on his back even, and there's a position they call kind of the neutral danger position, where when mm -hmm. a guy is, is on his back, in essence, even uh, if you don't have kind of complete control where you, you think about like having both legs wrapped up or, you know, an ankle and, uh, and a hip or something along those lines, 
if he's on his back and you've got him down in gun control, you know, they kind of do a three count and then say, yes, that's a, that's a takedown. Well, the, the whistle blows Ohio state throws the challenge brick. They go to the monitor and they say, he didn't have the, the full three count. So, uh, didn't get the takedown. Lugo wins a two, one decision. Sasso finishes as big 10 runner up in his red shirt freshman season. I mean, let's be honest. That's a great result as a red shirt yeah. freshman season, right? <laughs> Yeah, the frustration for Sasso and for Ohio State fans, and, and I'm sure for Tom Ryan and Jay Jaggers, is it's like you know, Sammy. At some point, you, you got to let you got to let some shots off the chain. And that's not necessarily his game in a match like this. You know, he's probably had more um, overtime matches than anybody else on the team. It seems like this season. He's and especially in these kind of high profile top five kind of matchups where he's taking guys the distance. Right. But at some point, you know, you've got to open your offense up. That's what Luke Fletcher's done this season to great effect is really opening up his offense and scoring takedowns early and often. And, and, and it feels like, you know, Sasso's got to get some of that mojo going. Um, but it's really hard to. Lugo's a guy who, you know, it, it feels like if he wins an NCAA title, it, it was meant to be. He's just a really, really sound wrestler, veteran wrestler where, you know, Sasso's on the younger end. Um, so, you know, we'll see, I, I expect that at the NCAA tournament, you're going to see Pletcher and Lee again at 141 in the NCAA finals. And you're going to see Sasso and Lugo at the 149 finals. It just feels like you could pencil those in now and, and it's going to be a great match. It was a big day for the Buckeyes all the way around because eight of the 10 guys earned automatic qualifications to the NCAA tournament. So they're qualified. They will be wrestling. Um, those same eight guys all placed seventh or better. And in the case of Malik Heinzelman, the 125-pounder who's had a really tough first two seasons, um, he, man, I'd say wrestled his best five, six matches of the season um, in, in quick succession here at this Big Ten tournament. He, he ate a pin early on as the 11th seed, battled back in the wrestlebacks. He pinned the number three seed in the tournament, uh, beat the number four seed in the tournament, you know, and, and kept wrestling on and uh, eventually found himself in the seventh place match, which he won. So really happy for him to punch his ticket. He's now qualified two years in a row. How many matches can he win in Minneapolis? You know, that'll go a long way to determining if Ohio State brings home another team trophy. You know, they're not going to beat Iowa. It's, you know, that seems like it's just not really mathematically possible. But hey, you know, third is a very real possibility. And depending on um, how well Nebraska wrestles. I was you know, about to say. They, they, Cornhuskers, oh, Cornhuskers surprised some people. They were the on fire. It was they, really uh, incredible. 20 some yeah, points they, ahead of the Buckeyes. I just mind blowing. Yeah, they had their hair on fire a little bit. Now, I mean, I'm glad Ohio State was able to finish third and, and beat Penn State, but I don't think really people expected that from Nebraska. So that's kind of that's kind of a cool little storyline going through there, especially as they get in the NCAAs. Yeah, um, and, and that's and that's the exact storyline we're going to be following now. It's like, okay, who who can get up there, uh, you know, into third and, and, and maybe even more so is there, is there a chance that Ohio state can get past? And, and the question would have been, uh, you know, here before this tournament, was it going to be Iowa, Penn state, Ohio state was going to be Iowa, Penn state, Nebraska, you know, it was kind of like who's playing for third, but after seeing Nebraska come in, in this tournament, the way they did and to put, you know, 20 points ahead of third place, Ohio state, no, I think right. uh, I think the Cornhuskers are going to have some people talking here over the next two weeks. It's a really interesting NCAA tournament we've got coming up. Yeah, it'll be really fascinating to follow, and we'll definitely you know be keeping an eye on it and reporting on it and talking about it because it's it. 
I always say this every year. It is a, it is the true Midwestern art form, and it's it's so much fun to watch and pay attention to. I know a lot of people were kind of tuned in on the you know Michigan State game this afternoon, but there was a lot of fun action going on on BTN uh, with uh, with collegiate wrestling. So it's it's a good time. It's a definitely a good time. It felt like um, every Ohio State team in the athletic program, except football, was going on at the same time because you had <laughs> what, hockey, men's, men's basketball, women's basketball, badminton, wrestling. I mean, it was like all going at the same time. While, right. uh, <laughs> we got to get all your stuff taken care of before March Madness starts because after that, everybody knows no one's going to care or do anything else but pay attention to what's going on in those brackets. So. Um, so before we get to ask us anything, we remind you that the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, uh, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of things. Check it out. It's great. Let's do some Ask Us Anything. We got some really good questions this week. And as a reminder, you can ask us anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. I want to start with this. This is from uh, St. Louis Wookie. Wants to know, Raising Cane's or Chick-fil-A? What do you pick? Now, they're two different things for me um, because I, I I do buy into the hype. What Chick-fil-A says, you know, uh, what is it? We didn't invent the chicken sandwich, but we perfected it. However it is, they yeah, say that. Like you know, I'm, I'm on board with their chicken sandwich, but I, I got mad love, as the saying goes, for Cane's chicken tenders. So, I mean, those... And there's something to be said for the idea that you do one thing and do it better than everybody else. Uh, You know, that's, that's the real deal. And they, I I love the Texas toast thing. Cane sauce, cane sauce is legit. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on that. I love me some Chick-fil-A there, but they're two different things for me. It's not like, you know, we say, Hey, you want to go get some chicken and I'm picking between those two things. It's like, I either want chicken tenders or I want a sandwich. I just think the overall, because I've had I've had the cane sandwich. It's fine. It's it's not great, but as as individual pieces, I think they add up to a better whole than what you get at Chick Fil A. Because as you just mentioned, you get the toast, which is incredible. You get the sauce, which I don't. It's weird to me that in the entirety of the fast food world, I feel like there's nothing else kind of like cane sauce. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, it's its, its own thing. Yeah, it's its own thing. And it's weird because you would think that in all the other trillion different places, you know, you get something kind of similar. Like, oh, okay, it's like, this is like horsey sauce. or This is blah, 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 blah. But cane sauce just seems like its own thing that is delicious. And I can't, you can't really replicate that anywhere else. So again, Chick-fil-A makes some good chicken sandwich. I'm not denying that. But I'm just saying, I feel like you you can get variants of that at other places. I don't know that you can really get the Cane's experience at other places. So I'm a, I'm a Cane's yeah. I'm, I'm in and it. I'm not and my thing is like I've never when you said that that you've had the cane sandwich I'm like I forgot they even did a sandwich because that's not what I'm going to cane's for, right? there, that. right. <laughs> yeah that's I never I'm, I'm giving me the the caniac combo all day, you know every day of the week and twice on Sunday I also love the cane's coleslaw I don't know if it has supplanted KFC coleslaw for me yet like KFC coleslaw is its own there again it's kind of its own magic little thing sure. um but I do I do enjoy cane's coleslaw yeah, it's so that's the thing though. Like their coleslaw is good. I my actually my favorite on coleslaw is Lee's famous recipe coleslaw. That's what I grew up on. And I wow. love Lee's. Yeah, that's old school. Yeah, so that's my that's my personal thing. But yeah, it's you know the, the uniqueness of canes is I think what puts it over the top. Uh, this next one here, this is from Matt in Minneapolis. So we talked about Devin Hamilton and the bench press and all that good stuff. 
so he asks us, what is our athletic achievement that we're most proud of? For him, he would have to categorize into raw strength, endurance, or mental fortitude. Raw strength, he benched 225 21 times at 187. Way to go. Nice. That, Holy smokes. Uh, he did a 40, what, 40 unbroken dead hang pull-ups and a sub-30 partition Murph. I have no idea what that means. I assume it's That's CrossFit. a CrossFit thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't I don't know exactly how to contextualize that. I will say 220, 225, 21 times at 187 body weight is pretty freaking amazing, um, as is 40 unbroken dead hang pull-ups. Andy, what is your most, uh, the uh, athletic achievement you're most proud of? Yeah, I pulled... Um... 545 pounds in a in a powerlifting meet out at old school gym in Pataskala a few years back so that that was a pretty big deal for me oh Um, yeah dude that you know no (laughs) i downplay that because i always say you know a guy my size ought to be able to pull you know five (laughs) or six hundred pounds i'm I'm not a small human that's a that's a a difficult task (laughs) but i that that's the athletic event you know at, at my age and you know as a as a desk jockey for a living and so on that, that, that i really enjoy uh you know the powerlifting discipline i guess and so but the but deadlift specifically more more than any others uh, my, my bench press i don't know it'll never be what what i think it should be and um you know squats fine but the meat doesn't start till the bar hits the floor as the saying goes so <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be more than happy to go out and try to pull uh, you know, the, the other lifts. Yep, fine, got to do them in a contest, but let's well, pick up some heavy stuff. I will say, as a young man, I was an aggressively uh, mediocre uh, athlete, <laughs> which which is a nice way of saying I was a bad athlete in a lot of ways. Uh, I will, I, you know, I would say the one that I'm most proud of is probably just doing. It's not even a big achievement, but it's something that. I was proud of doing because I hadn't done something like this in a really long time. I was never like a bike rider when I was a kid. I had a bike, but I barely rode it. It was just kind of a crappy mountain bike that barely went. And I did uh, Pelotonia a couple times. Yeah. Last year, first time I did it, garbage. Went terribly, got cramps. I finished it, but it was awful. My my tire blew. Uh, This past year, before I broke my collarbone, I, uh, you know, I, I worked my ass off. I was training all the time. And it went great. Uh, I did the 50 and it was, it was no real, real difficult. I mean, it was hard. It wasn't like easy for me, but I was able to get it done. And um, yeah, I felt good about it. I felt like, you know, at the age of 34 at the time that I had you know kind of done what I needed to do. So that was, I was happy about that. And hopefully in the future, <laughs> I will regain the confidence of my clavicle and, and try to go for some longer distance. But right now I would say that's the one I'm most proud of. You know, and, and you've got me rethinking this now because, uh, you know, and my, my big poll, I suppose, was the thing that popped first into my mind. But um, so the stunning Mrs. Vance got me into a deal last summer that I'm, I'm pretty proud that we pulled this off. So in Wheeling, West Virginia, over Memorial Day weekend, there's an event called the Tough as Nails urban adventure race. oh yeah you told me about this yeah well so like your pelotonia thing blows my mind because anything that's endurance like distance endurance related I, just is beyond me as the old saying goes i'm built for comfort not for speed <laughs> and so you know this uh this tough as nails deal um six miles 25 obstacles i think so this is um think of like kind of a tough mutter spartan race kind sure. of kind of deal where you're climbing things and uh you know carrying things and and so on and so forth. but across a six mile course now they called it an urban adventure race because it was all 
basically in the streets and, and such of Wheeling. Now, Wheeling, uh, you know, right there on the river built on the side of the, the, the tunnel mountain there. So we, the biggest thing was we scaled something like 650 steps up uh, the top of that, you know, mountain hill, whatnot, that the tunnel goes through, that I-70 goes through. So there are steps up the backside of that thing, like concrete steps and these neighborhoods that snake up and down the the side of that hill and so we scaled that uh That's you know wild. carried five gallon buckets of railroad spikes for a hundred yards or something along those lines and climbed any number of different obstacles so when we first signed up for that it's kind of like okay number one i gotta get in shape to run six miles because that's <laughs> right you know longer than i have ever intentionally run in my life uh and then two you know having the the, the strength to do all of that climbing and carrying and so on and so forth but we got through it we did it a little better in a couple hours like we were really super happy with our time um i had the largest blisters on my toes i have ever seen in my life so i learned things <laughs> about how you prepare your feet to do distance running because that had never been a a thing i'd done uh but we didn't die you know that was a big that was a big deal yeah and that's and it's always fun to like share that with I, I will also say the first time actually both times we did pelotonia it wasn't just me it was me and my wife and you know my wife hadn't you know she had, she had ridden just as much as i had you know going into it she just did an incredible job both times so it was yeah it's it's a lot of fun to do those things with with people and you know just kind of do the preparation and all that good stuff so now now here's the thing i have to tell you that you know it always amazes you you're feeling good about yourself because you've just done this amazing thing, right? Sure. So you've, you've finished this and I look over and you know, we're, we're getting ready to run this race. Meanwhile, <laughs> here's this young Marine who is not only going to run the six mile obstacle challenge, but, he, but he's doing it wearing like a, a, you know, a 50 pound weight vest. Oh, sure. Yeah. But you can't, you can't do that. You can't look at other people. Like I got, I used to work with a dude who ran like, you know, ultra marathon 150 yeah. mile races and i'm like nah that that's not you know what I, that's not a comparison <laughs> i need to be making in my life yeah. there, so. there was also there was like an 85 year old man who ran this uh the the six mile challenge you know so my my, my hat's off uh to that guy too because i was like good lord you know if i'm still upright and breathing oxygen at 85 yeah. it'll be a minor miracle but our, right. you know, homeboys out here running six mile obstacle races like this hey may, may we all be so lucky <laughs> damn right um all right so this last one here this is from our good friend alvin alvin simply wants to know we fill in the blank here and you only get to pick one thing ohio state must blank to make a deep run in the ncaa tournament they they gotta shoot you know they got to make shots. I mean that's really that's really what it comes down to this team. For whatever reason, they're they're hot and cold. They're hot and cold offensively. Um, yeah. And I know basketball is a streaky game, but if you look at this team from you know they fixed a lot of their problems. We said this earlier, but they fixed a lot of their problems turnover wise, uh, you know, and so on. But they've they've got. To, I'd like to see them go to the rack a little bit more than they do. They get real hesitant closer they get to the rim. It feels like at times. I'd like to see them not miss. You know half of their layups gee <laughs> christmas like, what is that about it's, and, and that's why i say they just seem like they get real hesitant real tentative the closer they get to the hole i'm like just go strong to the rack and put it in the hoop that's it yeah it's not I, rocket I, surgery I think, I think it's lack of aggression yeah i i'm with you on that um my thing so I, i'll go a little deeper than than that i i will say i think specifically they get hit threes they have to be a three-point shooting team and and right now they are i mean technically i mean you know putting aside this michigan state game 
Um, but they have to be a team that can kill you with their three-point shooting because if they don't do that, I think they're going to face a lot of teams in the tournament, even early, that can take away some of the like more inside stuff that they do with Caleb. I, I think there will be teams that can eliminate him offensively. So you have to have an outside threat because otherwise I don't know exactly what they do. And hopefully they can get Kyle Young back and, and be a little bit of that uh, guy who can spell him a little bit defensively. So I don't know. I, I think they got to shoot. I got they got to hit threes, right? Like Dwayne Washington's got to be able to be more consistent than he's been, especially with regards to that. And if they do that, I think they can be extremely dangerous because their defense is always going to be there. But um, they got to be able to continue to hit those threes. They cannot be streaky on that. That's got to be part of their identity in March. Yeah, um, and it's. I mean, it's you. Know, you said it because Ohio State is. I mean, they're statistically the best three point shooting team in the conference. Right. Um, Which doesn't know, does it feel like that? Because to yeah. me, sometimes it doesn't feel like that at all. It doesn't seem like they're really a three, quote unquote three point shooting team. You know what I mean? Yeah, and but you know you look at uh, they're shooting just just shy of thirty seven and a half percent. You know, Wisconsin, Michigan State, not super far behind. Iowa, Michigan, you know, pretty pretty all pretty good there. But I mean, they're averaging uh, what what this two hundred fifty two hundred fifty six points. So what's that work out to be per game? But um, I mean, yeah. They're making 37.5% of their shots from distance on average all season long, best in the conference. So you've got it, but that's been the bread and butter because they're they're so timid then closer to the hole. Right. And so hopefully they can rectify both of those things. And then, like I said, be be that threat, have that identity and, and scare some teams in March Madness, which I think they're capable of doing, especially if they get a favorable draw. Um, we'll, we'll see how far they go. I mean, look, the coolest thing so far about the first two years, the first two NCAA tournament appearances that Chris Holtman has had at Ohio state is that they're, I think they've had some unexpected success two times and, you know, beating Iowa state last season was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was hilarious. I don't think anybody really expected that because they definitely limped into the NCAA tournament that year. And now if they get a little bit momentum through the big 10 tournament, maybe those expectations will be a little bit higher. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know, they don't get the 12. I, I just get so nervous about a 12-5 matchup. <laughs> I never want Ohio State to ever be a five seed ever. I would rather them be a six seed or a seven seed than a five seed. I just cannot deal with that. Um, too much stress. But um, we'll see what they do. And, and we'll definitely keep an eye on that. So we got we got NCAAs coming up in basketball and wrestling. We've got all kinds of things going on uh, in the other sports. And we'll keep an eye on all of it. Um, we didn't even mention we, we probably should have put in a little bit for the women's hockey team, which won their conference uh, today. Um, so a lot of good stuff going on. And first, we'll, first time in history, by the, the way, first time so in history. shout it's out fantastic. to the women, um, because that, that that's fantastic. WCHA title. And I laughed the other day. Was it the men that were playing Wisconsin and won like nine to one or something along those lines? Yeah. Um, I think it was the men's team. I mean, both hockey teams, you know, have <laughs> been doing pretty well, I, guess, I gather. And somebody on Twitter, I thought, had a great one. They said, oh, this is the hockey equivalent of 59 to zero. <laughs> <'Cause they were laughs> That's right. Like nine That's to right. one versus Wisconsin hockey. But but hats off to the women. That's fantastic. One, one to zip victory over Wisconsin and Minneapolis to capture their first ever WCHA championship. That's awesome. Yeah, big time stuff. So we'll keep an eye on all that. We'll update everyone about all that and, and break it down. And until next week, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.